Welcome to the Decision Masters Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Parker. I'm a coach who specializes in conscious, clear-headed decision-making, which, despite how hard we work and how smart we are, is not always easy. Each week, I'll bring you science-backed tools and strategies to use in your daily life and career to make more confident, authentic decisions. Oh, and we're going to make it easy while we're at it. If you're into a life with less overthinking, people-pleasing, and perfectioning, and more making what you want matter, you're in the right place. So happy you're here. Let's get into it. Hey there. How you doing? You ready to keep talking about fear? You're just tuning in. Hi, welcome. How the heck are you today? We are doing a series all about fear in the decision-making process right now. Super, super juicy. We're making it fun, but very vital conversation we have to have. Because what makes decisions hard? What makes it complicated? Fear. And singing about it can actually help. We can talk about those studies later. But singing about your stress that you are feeling and the fear you're feeling is actually proven to help lower your stress response in that moment. Isn't that fun? (laughs) So permission to keep singing through the fears. I am going to try to keep myself from going on tangents today, you guys. I don't know what was in my coffee, but we started this fear journey talking about confusion. Confusion is a very particular flavor of the fear experience. So we needed an episode that exclusively dealt with that experience. How do we move through confusion, land on a decision we still like, and not drive ourselves crazy in the process? Last week, we talked about these general don'ts, this kind of guidebook that you can adopt for yourself. Make it your own, as with everything that I offer you, but a kind of guidebook for what not to do when you encounter fear or resistance or worry or anxiety or anything that comes up to create a roadblock in your decision-making process. And today we have arrived at the do's. How much fun is that? We're going to get an itty-bitty manual for what the heck to do when you are minding your own business, walking around your life, trying to make a decision and fear comes up and has the potential to ruin your day. Doesn't have to anymore. We're going to revisit one of my favorite metaphors for this because I really do encourage you to stop thinking about fear as a bad guy, as evidence that you haven't matured enough or gotten over things that you should have gotten over by now, a sign of weakness. Since we have a decent chunk of data from human existence that shows fear is unlikely to stop coming up anytime soon in your daily decision making, I don't want us to adopt this mentality that all of my decisions would be easier if only I didn't get afraid. I mean, I would eat a lot less bread if only... I didn't love bread so much, but like, why are we talking about this? This is not a world that is reality. We're we're not going to live in that world where you stop being afraid and where I stop loving bread. So let's live in this reality and let's just put fear into the process. Let's put it in the plan. Okay, I'm going to make a variety of decisions that could seem easy or complicated, big or small on paper. That actually doesn't matter. Let's plan on fear coming up a lot of the time. And let's just get really good at dealing with it. So the metaphor that I'm going to 
offer you, which we talked about last week, is the kid in line with the roller coaster. You waiting in line with this kid, could be your kid, could, could just be some kid you like. You're in line for the roller coaster. That is you approaching this decision, okay? If this kid gets scared and is not immediately super clearly articulating why, that you just start noticing that they're getting afraid, I want you to imagine what you would think is the most effective way to deal with that situation. My guess is the most effective way that you would say to deal with that situation probably looks a little different than you are responding to your own fears. Is what we talked about last time, right? The aging of the fears, avoiding, indulging, and judging. Oh my. Some of our favorite things to do when we are in line by ourselves approaching a decision and we get scared. We start thinking all of the fear thoughts. What if this happens? What's so-and-so going to think? What if I regret it? What if this is the wrong choice? I don't know what I'm doing. What if I get bound out? But instead of responding to ourselves like we would a scared little kid, we can be super harsh, super dismissive, super invalidating, super judging. And the problem with that, besides the fact that it disconnects us from ourselves and erodes self-trust, and I'm pretty sure we're all trying to have a teensy bit better relationship with ourselves. The other problem is that we are missing out on valuable information that lives within that fear experience. So what happens is we are continually making decisions that we don't feel total ownership over. We don't really completely understand and like our reasons for making the choices. And that's just not the way we want to live here in decision mastery land, right? So any decision, like I said, big or small, so-called easy, so-called complicated, it doesn't matter. Fear does not discriminate. What's going to be fun is starting to apply these ideas that we're talking about to everyday decisions. Making a decision to send an email or not, or how to phrase the email. Making a decision about booking a vacation. Whether or not you want to go to the thing that you were invited to. Setting a boundary with a family member. Thinking about taking your butt outside for a walk, even though you have one literal million things still to do today. These little decisions, little in air quotes, are the ones that can be really easily interrupted by fear. And I want you to start paying attention to it. Use what we talk about today so that when you are making the bigger, scarier, hairier decisions, you have this skill already beefed up, the skill of fear fluency. You've become more practiced and adept at listening to your fears and responding to them in a conscious way. Are you so excited? This is one of my favorite things to talk about. I don't know if you can tell, but we can't talk about fear without making it fun. And before we get into the do's, I just want to make an important note that we're using fear as kind of a catch-all term. And most of the time, to be honest, when fear comes up in our decision making and mucks it up and makes it feel complicated, we probably wouldn't label that as fear automatically. Most of the people I talk to who haven't gotten me inside of their heads yet because we've been working together and now they just like coach themselves in their own brain, which is so much fun. But when I'm just starting out with someone, when someone's trying to explain to me why a decision feels clunky or confusing, they don't normally name it as, well, here's what I'm afraid of. And that's part of your fluency that you're going to build. Because if you're telling me, I want to explore maybe these different career options, but I don't know where to start. And I don't want to open this conversation if I'm not going to follow through on it because I don't want them to think I'm a flake. But I also don't want to miss out on this opportunity right here that I'm thinking about. They usually never use the word fear. And when I ask them, 
okay, what are the fears? There can sometimes even be a resistance around calling it a fear. Sometimes people are like, well, I'm not afraid. I'm just, you know, don't want to wake up in five years and regret that. So I want to invite you to just try on this perspective that that is a fear. I'm afraid of waking up in five years with regret. You might not be like having the night sweats about it. You might not be running around in active panic. But let's call this a fear for the purposes of our decision mastery conversation today. Because if you are worried about somebody else's opinion or you are nervous about experiencing a negative consequence, those are all fears. We're such dang cognitive people, though. A lot of the time, our fear is experienced exclusively within our heads and we don't have any feelings around them or we, or we don't notice any feelings like emotions in your body. So it might not feel like fear. And that's okay. That's part of building fluency is really building up a self-awareness of what am I actually experiencing in this moment in my head and outside of my head. So let's talk about the do's. What do you do with fear in the decision-making process? It's super simple and you don't even need an acronym for it. All you're going to start doing is start acknowledging when there is a fear. So this is a neutral observation. This is not saying this is good, this is bad, I shouldn't be doing this, this is what this means. This is just being a scientist, watching yourself in the lab of life. Ah, this is happening. And this really does take some practice because we can get so used to our decision-making feeling fraught, rushed, frantic, confused, chaotic, that we really can normalize the experience of fear and never notice consciously that it is an experience of fear. So you just want to start paying attention to your decision-making system as it stands today. We're going to be making some updates to the system. Part of that means recognizing when you are feeling a feeling of worry or anxiety. Maybe your heart's beating really fast. Maybe you're sweating. Or recognizing when you're thinking a fear thought. Oh, I noticed I've really been spinning around what my boss is going to think about this decision for the last 10 minutes. But that's interesting. Let's notice that. Okay. The next thing you're going to do after you've noticed that you are experiencing some kind of fear is name it or more likely name them. So this is a two word step. The step is not complicated. Name them. But I will tell you transparently that this is one of the hardest things that people take on in building fear fluency and updating their decision-making system. It is one of the most challenging habits to break, which is rush through the fears, start arguing against them, start trying to solve them immediately. So it's okay if this feels weird. This is why having a coach or having someone outside of your head can be invaluable in this habit change and really locking it in because it's hard to do from within your own potentially chaotic brain. It's not impossible. I just want you to have lots and lots of patience with yourself and not give up. But you have to start naming the fears. You have to slow down your thinking enough. And this is where writing things down can be helpful because your brain has to slow to the speed of a pencil. You have to start naming, I am afraid of waking up in five years, regretting my decision. I am afraid of getting stuck 
and not having the option to change careers again. I am afraid that Dylan is going to think I'm lazy. Name the fears and do not include any story. Don't include any reasons that these fears don't make sense or any solutions to them or any arguments against them. Make them concise, simple language, one at a time. And then you're going to do something that will also potentially challenge you, but it's a great skill to get good at. You're going to validate the fears. Validation is not agreeing with, condoning, liking. Validation is acknowledging that they're happening here in reality. We might love to live in a different reality where we're not afraid of this thing or we're not wasting our time or energy on stressing about this fear, but we live in this reality. So we want to validate that even if you think it shouldn't be happening, it is happening. Okay. This is going to help keep you in the most efficient and effective conversation track because it is a waste of your time and a waste of your precious limited energy to tell yourself for an hour that you shouldn't be afraid of what you're afraid of. That is not the best use of your hour. It's not going to accomplish anything. It's not going to change any habits. So it means you're going to keep having this fear and then having this response to it over and over and over again. No, thank you. That's not what we're doing here. So you don't have to like the fact that any of these fears are happening, these worries, anxieties, whatever. But you have to validate that, yes, we live in the reality where no matter what I think about this thing happening, it is happening. And for bonus points, you can even validate the extent that it makes sense this fear is happening. And this is what we can get into in our coaching conversations because it can be a little baffling to find out what we're afraid of. It can be a little not nice, not fun to be honest with ourselves about what we're afraid of. So validating them, like validating that they are actually happening can really feel challenging. It can feel like you're admitting that you are a way you don't like, which does not feel amazing a lot of the time. But if you can find a way to see, well, why would this fear be coming up for a reason other than to frustrate and destroy me? Why would this fear be coming up as a way to protect or help me if I had to find a reason? You can use that question to find compassion for the fact that this fear that might be annoying you, that might seem irrational, you can find compassion for the fact that it's coming up at all. And that can help you validate it. Okay, I don't like it. I don't agree with it. I don't think I need it. This stupid fear. But I at least validate that it's happening. And it's like, okay, I can see it. I can see the misguided logic, this fear. Sometimes you can't. You, you don't actually don't have to. But I'm just naming why these steps sound super simple, but people have coaches for a reason. Okay. By now, you've acknowledged that you're having a fear. You've named it or named several fears coming up. You validated that, yep, okay, they're happening no matter if I think they should or if I like them. Now you're going to ask questions. Now, there are a couple different ways you can think about this. If you want a scripted conversation template, if you want prompts, you can download the free guide that I did way back in episode 16, the four fear questions. So go to kirstenparker.com forward slash 16. It's in the show notes. And you can literally have this guided conversation with yourself where you think through a fear with these four questions that help you not get rid of it, not find the right answer, just get more understanding around 
what you want to think about the fear. So that's a little bit more instructional if that's what you want. If you're like, I need a bullet point list right now. Those four fear questions are going to lead you through checking in. Why would this thing you're afraid of be a bad thing? How bad would it be? This can help us really get honest with, okay, I'm having a response to the idea of Dylan thinking I'm lazy. How bad would that really be? Well, I don't like him. So do I care if he thinks I'm lazy? Well, maybe it maybe actually wouldn't be that bad. All right. Good to know. So you're going to think through, okay, how bad would it really be? You don't have to say it wouldn't really be bad. If you're contemplating something where your fear is, I would lose my entire life savings. How bad would that really be? So you're allowed to be honest about that. So remember, we're not looking for a particular answer. We're looking to get you more in conversation with yourself so you understand these fears. You're going to ask that question. You're going to ask, what do I think the likelihood of it happening is? We just always want to check this. We're making it up, but especially for us catastrophizers, it's good to know, okay, what is the likelihood that I'm not going to pay attention to my happiness for the next five years and be miserable every single day, but allow that to go on to the point that in five years, I wake up with regret about my entire life and all my choices. That's not a high likelihood, actually. I need to hear that for myself sometimes because <laughs> I'm a catastrophizer and I need to hear, you know, I would, would not allow that to happen. So it's a valid fear, but not one that's very likely to come to fruition. The next question you're going to ask is, do you think you could survive it? And this is not a test of your resilience. This is not about using your resilience against yourself. This is really a question to help you check in with, okay, meeting myself where I am in reality right now with my bandwidth, my energy, my health, my resources, my goals, my dreams, my circumstances. Am I up for this potential experience? This thing I'm afraid of. Would it suck? Probably because things we're afraid of are usually negative things. But am I up for it? How up for it am I? Do I think I could survive it and maybe it would be crappy and hard and I would really rather not, but I could survive? Or do I not think I'm up for it right now? I know these are big sounding questions, but like I said, if you're contemplating RSVPing no to something you were invited to, these four questions can sometimes help save you a week of agony back and forth in between like, oh, I should go, but I don't want to. But what are they going to think? And oh, but I should. Or am I going to regret? Ooh, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we can we can lose a lot of time to these so-called small decisions. So sometimes you just need a script to figure out, OK, what am I afraid of? They're going to hate me forever and decide I'm a bad friend. OK, well, how how likely is that? Probably not likely. They're a good friend and a rational person. OK, do I think I could survive it? I mean, if this person decided to write me off and kick me out of their life for RSVPing no to this brunch, um, yeah, I could survive that. And it's probably better than I know now than like waste another 10 years being somebody's friend who's actually going to be a crazy person. So good to know I could survive that. And the last question is, how would you move forward? Like sometimes it's really just helpful to play the movie all the way to the end in our minds. Because we will make up worst case scenario outcomes to our decisions and then not keep playing the movie. We'll walk out of the room and be like, ah, catastrophe, turmoil, defeat, chaos. No, thank you. But it really is worthwhile to think through how would you solve this problem if you ended up with it? Can you see a way out? Can you see a way forward? So those are the four fear questions recapped super quickly. Remember, you can go to kirstenparker.com forward slash 16 for 
a little worksheet workbook thing on this. It's free, but it can really help to have these in your metaphorical or literal back pocket so you can save yourself time and agony working through decisions. The other way, the simpler way you can think about responding to the fears at this point in the process is handing the mic to the minion who's bringing up the fear and hearing them out. So we have a little mind committee, right, who wants to weigh in on all of our choices. And one of the minions has proposed a reason not to send the email because what if Dylan gets mad, right? What if Dylan gets spicy about this? Is he thinks something I wrote on one of my sales pages? It can be a real hangup that keeps us from making our decision, right? What if Dylan gets spicy? So instead of reacting to that or spinning about it or shutting it down, we're really just going to recognize this minion would like to speak. We're going to hand them the mic and we're not going to talk. We're just going to hear the minion out. All right, let's talk about Dylan. What are your concerns? Please share with the group. Remember, everyone who works at the mind committee wants the same thing for you. Ultimately, at the root of everything they want, they want you to be happy and safe and successful. It's in the details that their opinions start differing of how you should be happy and how you will be successful, what the best way to be safe is. So naturally, we end up feeling like, we're pulled in many directions or we have conflicting opinions. But this fear, this little minion fear guy who thinks it's important to care about Dylan's opinion, isn't out to get you. He doesn't want you to feel frustrated. He just wants you to be safe and happy and successful. And he thinks this concern about Dylan is important to raise. So at this point in the process, you can also just have a conversation with yourself. Hand the mic to the minion, hear him out, and then talk about it so that you can decide what you want to think about the concern being raised. Just like a regular committee. You could have a committee to put on a bake sale and somebody could really have a concern that it's going to rain. Like, okay, let's hear you out. What are your concerns? Oh, it's going to rain and we don't have any plan for how to deal with that. That feels like a legitimate concern. Oh, okay. Thank you for bringing this up. Let's decide as a committee how we want to address this. Super helpful. Somebody else could have a fear, concern that the stars are not going to be in the correct, best alignment. That person could legitimately have a concern about how that's going to affect the bake sale. And depending on what you think about the importance of star alignment, you get to decide what you want to do with this concern. As the person in charge, because you are ultimately in charge, even though we have all of these lovely little well-meaning minions running around our heads. You're in charge. So you can hear that fear out and say, you know what? I appreciate your concern. I know you only want me to be happy and safe and successful. So thank you for showing up to work today and raising this concern that you think is important. I, as the boss, am going to decide that it's not important. And here's what I can assure myself of. Here's what I can assure you of, which is really assuring yourself. We can have a successful bake sale anyway. We're all going to have a great time. It's going to be great. You can also decide as the person in charge, oh, I actually really want the stars to be in a certain alignment in order to have this bake sale. So here's what I'm going to decide to think about this concern. You're the boss. 
but we want you to have a loving and collaborative relationship with all of your employees, with all of your mind minions, so that you end up feeling valued and heard and understood by yourself. Because the meta thing here is that you are also these mind minions. You are the child in line with yourself for the roller coaster. I know. It's a little meta. So I want to give you an example because it, it can sound kind of wacky and you can really be like, here's an M- do I have to talk to myself? And no, but I want to give you an example of when I actually did this in my real life and it was really helpful. And it saved me so much time and back and forthing and weeks of spinning around a decision, which is not working on a decision. It is not working through a decision. It's just spinning. So I saved myself from that by recognizing that I was having some fears. And it was when I was in the process of making the decision to start the first Decision Masters program. So up until the end of 2021, I had primarily done private one-on-one coaching. I had run a couple groups and co-hosted a couple groups, so I had experience with it. But I didn't have a signature kind of program like the Decision Masters program, which is the small group program I run that is kind of foundational curriculum built into it. It's the kind of coaching that I do, which is helping you make life decisions based on what you want and being super clear on who you are and feeling more equipped to handle your human self. But I'd also built up by the end of 2021 years worth of tools and concepts and intellectual property, exercises, and ways of dealing with really, really common problems that the kind of people I work with have. Looking ahead at 2022, I was thinking about putting together a group program which would combine all of these beautiful people with similar issues and desires and all of these beautiful tools and strategies and information that could help all of them and they could all learn from and support each other I was starting to think about that. And it was very scary. A lot of fears came up. And what I did, I remember this so clearly. I was sitting on the couch in our old apartment and I was alone. Kenny must have been working because I was for sure talking to myself. And But it was it was a like pleasant conversation. I was a little activated because I was like, it, it was a big idea. And I was very inspired by it and very energized by it. And I was also very nervous and scared. So I literally just had a conversation with myself. I was like, okay, what are we afraid of? Not in a dismissive, judgmental way. Really asking the question, really getting down on your knee, looking at the kid in line for the roller coaster at eye level and being like, what's going on? So that I could understand, so that I could respond appropriately. So I asked myself, okay, what are we afraid of? And then I just listed them out, named the fears. I'm afraid no one will buy it. I'm afraid I'm going to make it too much work for myself and I'm going to fail in the other areas of my business. I'm afraid I won't be good at it. I'm afraid I'm not ready. Some typical stuff and some really useful stuff. I'm afraid I haven't written out this curriculum yet because the Decision Masters program is built around the Decision Mastery course, which didn't exist yet. And that was scary. So I named all of that. Didn't respond to anything, didn't justify or poke holes in or argue against or try to solve any fears. Just named the fear. Just let them be in the room with me. And that let me validate them. Like, okay, I get that I'm having a lot of fears that are coming up around this. And they're 
they're all here for reasons. Great. Good to know. So we're lowering our stress baseline and we're not having an aggravated conversation with ourselves just because fears and questions are present. We validated. And then I acknowledged them one at a time. I decided what I wanted to think of each fear. Remember, you're giving the mic to the person in the meeting, the minion in the meeting, and then you're going to make your assessment of, okay, this is a fear I actually want to take seriously and take action on. I'm afraid I'm going to overwork myself and then fail in other areas of my business. That was a great fear to know about because I needed to be very intentional with my time. I had to put safeguards and boundaries around my work time for my group program and my private one-on-one clients so that things didn't go off the rail. That was a really helpful fear to recognize. And I had to decide, how do I want to respond to this fear? What do I want to think about this fear as the CEO in charge? Okay, there's a fear that no one's going to buy it. Great. That's a fear that comes up literally every time I try to sell something. It's a, it's a fear that comes along with the job of having stuff to sell. Literally everyone who's ever sold anything has a fear that no one's going to buy what they're selling. But that was, it was a helpful conversation to have in a clear, conscious, self-compassionate way instead of just spinning and stressing about it and indulging it. It's a really easy fear to indulge. Oh, no one's going to buy anything. Okay. And those four fear questions really come in handy for stuff like that. Because it's like, all right, well, what's the likelihood that no one's going to buy this? I probably low if I sell it well (laughs) and I do a good job of presenting the value that it's going to have. Guess what? The first round of the Decision Masters program sold out. But I couldn't know that in advance when I was dealing with that fear. When that minion was raising their hand in the room, like, oh my gosh, what if nobody buys this? I, as the CEO, had to just decide, what am I going to think about that? Well, it actually wouldn't be that bad. I would learn a lot about how not to sell it. Uh, It probably won't happen. Like, it probably some people will buy it. And I could definitely survive if nobody buys it because I'll just keep going. I'm not going to quit my business and it won't be that bad. Great. Do you see how I saved myself like weeks of agony by just having that structured, conscious conversation with that fear? So ultimately, remember, the goal is not to kind of debunk and solve every fear so that you can get to a yes for your decision or a particular outcome. We're not biased. The only bias we have is we want you to make powerful, authentic, self-honoring decisions that are in alignment for who you want to be and what you want in the world, right? But this is what helped me get to a decision at all and one that I was really clear on. So I didn't have to shove myself off of the emotional cliff. Remember, we talked about that last week where you have fears, but you're not effectively and thoroughly addressing them. So if you go ahead with a decision, you have all of these uninvestigated fears and all of these minions who are like, oh, oh my gosh, okay, I guess we'll just see what happens. Thanks for not giving me the mic in the meeting. So I didn't have to do that. And I didn't drag the decision out and put it off because of the presence of fears. I could have taken a year to make that decision because I could have churned on the fears and not looked them straight in the eye and then freaked out about them. And what this process, what my fear fluency allowed me to do was have the fears there because some of them were just there. It's not like you deal with them and then that feeling goes away forever. I was doing a new thing that was going to make me visible and vulnerable to failure and make me responsible for delivering a new service that I hadn't before. So there was fear. 
But the fear was not a problem in making clear decisions and implementing them with commitment, which is so fantastic because with the Decision Masters program, I've helped people in the world connect who would never connect otherwise, which has been a beautiful thing. I've helped people take control of their thinking, lower the stress in their lives, set up boundaries, leave jobs, start businesses, make huge life changes, prioritize themselves for the first time in decades. Slash up. So much good has come out of this experiment that started as an idea that I had to make a decision around in order for it to ever have a chance of succeeding. And that's the whole point of this conversation that we're having. We don't want uninvestigated fears running all of your choices. Because remember, fear is not the problem. Fear influencing your choices is not a problem. It's the uninvestigated fears, the unacknowledged fears that are yanking your life choices around willy-nilly. Those are the ones that cause us to not feel in charge of our lives and not feel really proud of and invested in the decisions we're making. Your homework this week, should you choose to accept it, is pay attention to little fears that are coming up. I mean, if you have a great big idea, like you want to start selling something or make a big change or start in on a big project, I mean, go for it, my friend. If you're not there, but you want to get good at this, you want to build this skill, then I say look for when you hesitate to send an email or that thing that you haven't RSVP'd yet for because you're like, deal with it. Use those real life opportunities to practice this. This is going to make you feel so much more conscious and in charge. And you're going to make the decision in a different way than you would have otherwise. And the decision might look the same from the outside, but it's that level of ownership that's going to save you time, save you energy, save you angst, and open up more decisions that are in alignment for you, which is the dream. So if you want that four fear questions worksheet, go to kirstenparker.com forward slash 16. It's in the show notes. Download that just so that you have it. Sometimes it helps to really read it out in words with your own eyeballs, write it out, practice it. And if you want to look into the Decision Masters program, which I mentioned today, or private coaching, you can go to my website. The link for that is in the show notes too. You can get on the wait list for the next round of the DMP, where we can have a consult anytime to talk about what's going to be the right kind of coaching for you. I can't wait to talk to you soon. Have a beautiful week and I'll see you later. Hey, want to find out your decision style? Um, obviously go take the decision style quiz. It's in the show notes and at kirstenparker.com forward slash quiz. We all have our style when it comes to making decisions, but do you know how to use your default way of thinking to your advantage? Or do you mainly get stuck in the most annoying parts of overthinking and people pleasing? The decision style quiz has your answers, my friend. Take it right now at kirstenparker.com forward slash quiz.